Turn in your New Testaments to Mark 10, 46 through 52. Mark 10, 46 through 52. And before we uh, get into this passage, next week we will begin a Holy Week series. It's called Last Words, First Words. You know, you try to find creative ways to, uh, to do Holy Week every year. And this one's kind of neat. It's the last words that Jesus spoke in the triumphal entry. And they're probably not what you think they are. And then the last words that Jesus uttered on the cross... And then the first words that he uttered in, in the power and brightness of the resurrection. That'll begin next week with the last words of Jesus in the triumphal entry. Mark chapter 10 verses 46 through 52. And these are the very words of God to you and to me. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting down by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth coming, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, for he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to Jesus, Rabbi or teacher, Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the last event in Mark's gospel before the triumphal entry. You see, Jesus had just made the turn, made the turn at Jericho and was going up that 800-foot ascent up that 17-mile road to Jerusalem. And so he's making the turn. Remember, his face turns like a flint to Jerusalem to go up and die, knowing that he's going to be handed over to the chief priests and the Gentiles and crucified. He makes the turn at Jericho. And as he gets to what we might call the city limits, just right outside the city limits, there is a blind man sitting by the road named Bartimaeus. And Bar means son, and Timaeus, it means the son of Timaeus. That's why it says that in the the text, by the way, just a little factoid. But uh, Jesus is not alone. Um, This is the Passover season. And what that means is tens of thousands of people are streaming up the tribes of Israel and all those Jews that are kind of out somewhere, you know, in kind of the regions of Babylon or down in Egypt or, or up in kind of Asia Minor. They're all streaming toward Jerusalem. It is an unbelievable crowd. And you need to understand where Jericho is. If Jerusalem's right here, Jericho's just right down by the the Jordan River, close to the Sea of Galilee. And what's important about Jericho is that if you wanted to come from across the Jordan River to Jerusalem, everybody would come through Jericho. And then there was this 
this highway, what we would call, we, they, we wouldn't call it a highway. We call it a glorified little road. They called it a highway. It was called the King's Highway and it, it went all the way down, all the way down the spine of the Jordan Rift Valley. Went right by Jericho. So what I want you to see is everybody coming kind of from everywhere over across the Jordan and even in the lands beyond. And those that are just kind of crossing over, they're all kind of mushing in together at Jericho when they make the turn. And now they're all on a much smaller road. Can you see big, big crowds, like tens of thousands of people mushed into this smaller road. It, it might be uh, kind of like being at an SEC football game. You know how you, you have to go up the ramp and you like you almost have to just keep going because everybody's in front of you and everybody's kind of smushed in and, and there's like this din of noise. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe if you hadn't been to an SEC football game, I don't know, maybe NASCAR or something. I don't know. But uh, just this kind of wall of noise as you're just packed in. Maybe that was what it was like. And This morning, I want us to to learn this from this story. Here it is. If you cry out to Jesus, he will hear you. Write that down on your bulletin. You're going to want to come back to that. If you cry out to Jesus, he will hear you. And the first thing we see in this text is this this crying out to Jesus by this, this blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Maybe we'll call him Bart. So Bart is on the side of the road and everybody from Jericho knows who he is because, you know, he's blind and and he's got this like cloak, big kind of heavy cloak and he's sitting there and his cloak is spread out on the, the, before him so people can just throw coins into his cloak spread out on the ground. You know, maybe just a few coins, just maybe Bart can buy a little bread that day, but but how is Bart treated in the text? People kind of see Bart kind of like maybe sometimes we see the homeless guy with a cardboard sign. They kind of ignore him. They kind of treat him like a nuisance. Maybe the people of Jericho are a little embarrassed to have Bart sitting out there, and and uh, and this this thing is just packed with people and Bart hears as people are going by his ears pick up you know people that don't see are really sharp normally in their hearing those those other senses get really sharp and he hears people talking about the fact that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by I mean within earshot of Bart Jesus of Nazareth is passing by and he has heard about Jesus miracles including the fact that Jesus has healed people who were blind maybe even including the fact that at the pool of Siloam in in Jerusalem Jesus healed a man y'all ready for this not just a blind man who had lost his vision he healed a man born blind so you know basically Bart knows That if there's ever going to be a moment for him to see again, this is it. Because he is within earshot of Jesus. Uh, As Jesus passes in the middle of this like really packed crowd. And you can imagine that because people are kind of going with Jesus. It's maybe even more packed in around Jesus. There's this like wall of 
of sound. You can barely hear Bart screaming over at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now you can hear me real well because I'm mic'd up in a great, great space here. But you could just barely hear as he was screaming this while he was sitting on the side of the road uh, to Jesus. And the crowd sees the blind beggar and we read in the text, you know what they tell him? Cause he's, you know, he's like that homeless guy with the cardboard sign. He's a nuisance. You're, you're an embarrassment. Just be quiet. They said, quit, quit screaming. It says that Bart screams, cries out all the more. Bart turns it up. Bart doesn't care what they think of him. All the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he keeps screaming it. He cannot see where Jesus is. And it's daylight and Bart is in the dark. And he has he already missed his chance? Has Jesus already gone? Where is he? Is he going to stop? Is he going to answer me? Will Jesus hear Bart as he cries out? So he keeps crying. Now, what's really interesting about this you have to study it a little bit to kind of see this, is what Bart, Bartimaeus, calls Jesus. Bart calls Jesus a name that's only used two times. And the other time was by Jesus himself. He calls Jesus, not the son of man, not the son of God. He calls Jesus the son of David. That's really important. They're going up to the Passover. They're going to celebrate the Paschal Lamb. They're going to have this whole thing that's going to be focused on the Messiah to come. And uh, and he is calling Jesus of Nazareth as he passes by the son of David. That is the most recognizably messianic title that anyone has ever given Jesus like out loud. And it is blind Bartimaeus who says it Bart thinks that Jesus is the Messiah now why would Bart think that well Bart has a reason to think a little more deeply about this uh, from an angle that that other people couldn't understand because they're not blind it's hard to put yourself in someone's shoes when you've never been there and it's probably because of the the uh, the, the Messiah's power to heal and specifically the Messiah's power to open the eyes of the blind, which we read in one of our Old Testament lessons. In the Old Testament, nobody gets their sight back. This is unique. This is like a new era has come. This is what no one else has ever been able to do until Jesus of Nazareth walks onto the scene, and as the son of David, the one that was prophesied to open the eyes of the blind. Everybody knows he's the person that opens the eyes of the blind. Everybody knows. That's what he's been doing. Um, And even the guy, as I mentioned, that was born blind. There's only three healings in the entire Old Testament. There's a resurrection in 1 King, the widow's son, but... But um, naming the leper, first kings, King Hezekiah, second kings, and then the snakes and the snake bites in the wilderness and the, the snake on the stick and all those people uh, in Numbers 21. That's just not a lot of healings, you know, for an entire testament. Can you imagine knowing that, having this messianic prophecy that the lame would walk, the blind would see, you know, the lepers would be cleansed. 
Jesus of Nazareth walks onto the scene at age 30 after he is set apart by baptism in the Jordan River. And there's not three miracles to match the total output of the Old Testament. There's like three miracles every 15 minutes. We read in the Gospels that all we have in the Gospels is just enough for us to understand the reality of who the son of David, the real Messiah, really is. You understand, Jesus did thousands more miracles than you and I know about. These are just written so we would know that indeed the kingdom is coming. These are signs of the kingdom and he's the king and he's the Messiah. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's here and Bart knows it. Bart knows it. Jesus told John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11, basically that the sign, one of the primary signs of the Messiah would be that the the Messiah, the son of David, would open the eyes of the blind. And I read to you, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples to Jesus and he said to him, are you the one who is to come, the Messiah? Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? You remember what Jesus said? Matthew 11, verse 4. And Jesus answered him, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. Number one on the list is the blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and how blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus said, you go tell John, yeah, I'm him, because I open the eyes of the blind. Many around Jesus, even on that day as they were going up, some of them are going to be saying crucify him, not too long from that in that crowd i'm sure there were there are going to be people that are going to be in that that second crowd that that turns on jesus many are in awe of jesus but they don't know who he is they kind of think they know who the messiah is and they they want the messiah to be like what we call the second coming where you know where the messiah comes and just wipes everything out and makes everything right and establishes his forever kingdom and they didn't quite understand the, the actual coming of the Messiah to be the Lamb of God. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, says this is him. Now you understand why he is screaming at the top of his lungs that messianic title nobody else uses. Son of David, Messiah, have mercy on me. And by the way, that have mercy on me, that's an imperative. It literally means this. Mercy me. Mercy me. I know you can do it. You're the son of David. And so first we have this crying out. There are lots of sophisticated, wonderful, capable, smart, well-off people that get to pull a lot of levers and get to handle a lot of things in their life who do not get to the place where they say, mercy me, God. I can't do this. Blind Bartimaeus understands. And he cries out. To God, I want you to think about the last time you cried out to God. Was cry out to Jesus? Remember the second part, and He will hear you. He will hear you in the middle of all this noise, 
In the middle of all this rebuking of the, 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 the guy equal to the homeless guy, be quiet. Jesus hears him. Jesus always hears people when they cry out to him. Jesus hears him. It's really interesting. You know, they're kind of, you know, that just mob of people, just kind of where you're getting pushed along. Jesus is in the middle of that. Jesus hears him over that and he stops. It says he stops. Can you see this? Everybody's bumping into Jesus. And then everybody stops. I can imagine Jesus holding his hand up and like saying, be quiet. And now from the son of David, you can barely hear him. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now all of a sudden everybody gets quiet and you hear somebody say, son of David, have mercy on me. And what does Jesus say when he hears Bart? He says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. Go and get him. And the disciples go to get him. And, and I love how, how they basically say, you know, you have hit the lottery, man. <laughs> You're the next contestant on Everybody Gets Healed Who Believes in Jesus. <laughs> it says, literally, it says that they, that they call the blind man, say to him, have courage, take heart. Get up. He's calling you. There's these words of, of encouragement. Cheer up. He's calling you. And Bartimaeus, it says he, he, he springs to his feet. I mean, don't you love the details of the Gospels? He, he, he leaps, jumps to his feet. He throws this big cloak that, you know, is down there to catch coins. He throws it off of him. And you can see people kind of guiding him because he's blind. Guiding him through this crowd. To, to Jesus. And Jesus asked the most interesting question. Jesus Christ looks at Bart and says to a blind man, what would you like for me to do for you? Well, I'm sure Bart was thinking, let's see my top three. One would be recover my sight. Two would be recover my sight. And three would be recover my sight. It's kind of obvious So it leaves us to ask the question, why? Why in an obvious situation did Jesus of Nazareth make Bart say it? Why did he do that? Jesus wants Bart to verbalize this. And can I just call a timeout for a second? Y'all, for us to really kind of begin to apply this to our lives, this is exactly what God is like in terms of prayer, in terms of of our prayer. Um, God already knows, newsflash, he already knows what you need and he already knows what you want, but he loves to hear us verbalize it. Why? Because it is inherently relational when we speak out our hearts, when we cry out our pain, when we cry out our fears to the son of David, the Messiah. And there is something that is transactional because when we say it, now he can hear it, so to speak. And um, I mean, just think if God didn't want us to talk to him. Just think if we just had this beneficent power 
that just kind of fixed everything in our life automatically without us ever talking to him and without us ever asking for him. I mean, that would be awesome. That would be great, but it would not be very relational. And y'all, you go back to the first mention of Jesus in Genesis 3.15 about the reversing of that curse and then the whole thing of God wanting a people for himself. God wants to know us. God wants us to be his people and he wants to be our God. God wants a relationship. I'm talking about dialogue. I'm talking about two in this, although he is the, the greater one. You see, Jesus wants to be known then and now more than simply being miraculous. He wants to be known as merciful because you saw him have mercy. He wants to be known as loving. And he just wants to be known in, in, in the fabric of your life, right where it goes bump in the night, right where your fears and, and, and sitting in the darkness like Bart, a different kind of darkness, God wants to hear from you. That's why Jesus asked Bart, what can I do for you? He wanted him to tell. And praying it out to God is more relational and we are more grateful. And when we know that Christ hears us, when we see an answer, even sometimes when the answers aren't exactly what we like and sometimes later we see, we not only have, it's more relational, it's, we're more grateful, but we love him more. Because we see that he specifically shaped his goodness and his providence had a shape that really was love to you. You know, the Lord is good even when we don't ask. And how many countless ways have we not given glory to God because we didn't ask and we weren't clued in when God moved and sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. There's just different scriptures. One is about the sovereignty of God and he does all things. The other is about he wants us in this equation. You have not because you ask not, etc. Kind of like a parent with a child. Kind of like he's a heavenly father. You know, and a little child, he just, that parent wants that little child to say, I'm, I'm hurting. There, there's something bothering me. And I used to go and, and tuck in my girls and I'd say, is there anything bothering you? Every once in a while, just just un, just unburdening. Now I didn't say like they said to Bartimaeus, "Be quiet." Tell me more. I care about you, and and y'all, I, I don't always have answers, but I've sure got love, and I can be there, and that's a big part of what we're talking about here. So, what else does Bart teach us about prayer? Just keep praying. All the more, all the louder, son of David, have mercy on me. By the way, when you have persistently prayed, when you have prayed and you have trusted the Lord and you have bombarded the throne and you have cried out to God and you know he has heard you because he always hears us and when God sometimes doesn't answer our prayer the way we wanted him to. One of the ways that we can handle that is we knew we prayed. 
We didn't just run from our trouble. We didn't just get in the tuck fetal position to try to wait till it was over. We didn't just try to find our own strategy to get through it without God. We poured our hearts out to God. And you know what? When God decides not to answer the, this child that he loves prayer in, in light in the face of all that prayer, we know that, that God is working in a different way. And we are much more able to handle that weight or that no from God. I, I remember there was a couple in one of our churches. His name was Bill. Her name was Judy. And they were empty nesters. I was back in my early 30s. I, I didn't even know what an empty nester was back then. And, uh, man, they were having a good time, you know. And they had daughters that lived about an hour away. And, and they were with their grandchildren and Man, they were great folks. You know, people, I want y'all to know, people walk right in here. There are so many people I've told many of you this. Man, when y'all walked in here five years ago, that was a good day for Highlands. You know, Bill and Judy were like that. Judy got sick. Real sick. And I would travel an hour to see her and um, this wasn't looking good. I'll never forget, we're standing, all this family was standing around the, the bed of Judy. Bill was there too. Bill's kind of backed off a little bit. Judy was more verbal than Bill. So I was praying for Judy. I said, Lord, we're just your children. We don't know what your will is. All we can do is pray like children. We don't have to make this sophisticated. We don't, we don't have to know the contours of what's about to happen. Could, could we just cry out as your children, Lord, would you heal Judy? Got to amen? Daughter says, come see me over in the corner. Daughter did not share Judy's faith. So I go way over in the corner, and she thinks Judy can't hear what's about to be said. And she looks at me, and she said, I knew I knew that you'd do that like you evangelical. You know what you did to her? You gave her false hope. You you evangelicals are all the same. I'm like, oh man, this is not comfortable over it. What am I, what am I supposed to pray? Maybe don't heal her? I mean, you know, really. And, but I didn't say that to, to precious. I didn't say that. But I mean, Precious is dressing me down in the corner and Judy hears it. And Judy's in the bed and Judy says, no, everybody come back over here. So we all go back to Judy's bed. <laughs> and Judy says to her daughters, I want y'all to know, I appreciate all the nice things you said about me. And I appreciate all the platitudes about this and the so-and-so and the sweet little things and the, the memories and all this. But I'm going to tell you something. I had not, I have not had peace until Joseph came and asked God to heal me. And if God decides not to answer that question the way that was prayed, I can handle it. Now leave him alone. <laughs> Stanley Mangum passed into glory. This week, in the face of unbelievably faithful prayers. 
Doug Walters has cancer, and we are praying. We are not going to stop. We're going to keep crying out. Those are three boys right there. I want you to know, man, we, we are go- not going to stop. Susan Tanner, in treatment, we've been praying. We're not going to stop, Susan. I think, actually, she may not be here because you just had a treatment. Lacey, we love what God's doing in your life. We're not going to stop. Mike Odom, just some serious pain. We're not going to stop. It's going to sound something like this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on her. Have mercy on him. Bart cried out his request without being silenced. And you know, most of us can't say to a blind person, I know exactly how you feel. But we know what it means to be in the dark of our own fears and our our own struggles and even our own sins and our own depression. We know what it means to be in the dark with all our neediness. Cry out to Jesus. He will hear you. Jesus, you know, didn't put his hands on Bart. He didn't like the man born blind at the pool of Siloam. You know, he made spit like mud with spit and he rubbed it on, on his eyes. Jesus didn't do any of that in this case, which is kind of cool that he can do it any way he wants to. He just spoke to him. He said, leave, go. Your faith has saved you. That, that, that must have been like, those words must have been like an electric shock. To Bart. What was Jesus saying? I am the Messiah. And you knew it. And you asked me because you knew it. You had faith in me. And you can go now because you're healed. And then we read that Bartimaeus followed Jesus in the last verse did you know that go your way your faith has made you well and immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus on that road all the way up to Jerusalem Um, we think Bartimaeus not only recovered his physical sight but if he even needed it he recovered his spiritual sight how do we know that because he just just like the disciples immediately dropped their nets and left and followed jesus so did bart so did this guy everybody made fun of so did this guy that was marginalized by everybody he saw the son of david he was able to believe in the son of david he received what he needed from the son of david and that may have been salvation that day for all we know but we know this he loves and that dialogue has yielded gratitude and that dialogue has yielded love in a relationship and he's not going anywhere but with jesus Bartimaeus moves from being on the side of the road to right in the middle of the road with jesus going up to jerusalem maybe even to watch him die You know, it's that road that they're both walking to Jerusalem that that can convince you that Jesus will listen to you when you cry out. You know, maybe maybe you're not sure whether you believe in all these miracles that were done and all the the eyewitness accounts of them. Um, And I tell you, a lot of capable, smart, wonderful people with means, with the ability to do stuff, have a hard time crying out, Jesus, Messiah, have mercy on me. 
Because that cry right there is saying, I can't do it. I got to have you. And you know what? I wouldn't want to do it and be my own savior. I'd rather be with you anyway. And you know that, that he gives mercy because he walked the road all the way up to the cross. And the mercy that we have from, I'm talking about from the creator God, that we have been cut off from by our own rebellion, our own selfishness and sin that cannot, that, that falls short of the glory of God, cannot be in relationship with God. Uh, that mercy that we have received is a purchased mercy. It's not just Jesus saying, just have some mercy. It is the Lamb of God taking literally your place, dying on the cross. I don't know if you, you know, trust TV preachers. I don't trust most of them. Uh, you know, I don't know if you trust your guru or this person or that person or Deepak Chopra or somebody like that. I hope you don't trust them because they're all selling you something. Don't trust anybody that's just selling you something. I'll tell you who you can trust. You can trust a Savior who is agonizing and dying and gasping on the cross. And you have nothing to give him. And he has mercy that he will purchase by taking the punishment that you deserve and I deserve for your sin in your place. This is how we know. It is a purchased mercy. It is free to us. If we trust in Jesus rather than ourselves or somebody else and cry out to him. You know, I'll close by saying we don't even need flowery prayers. Oh God, thou who dwellest in ethereal wonder and wouldst thou look upon thy marginalized servant. I mean, you know, Bartimaeus didn't say anything like that. <laughs> You don't have to have flowery prayers. I mean, they're kind of cool, but you don't have to have those. In fact, sometimes I just roll my eyes when I'm praying with people. Now y'all gonna be self-conscious when you're praying with me. That's okay. <laughs> you know, I was really thinking about this personally and realizing um, that with the, the hard things in my life, you know what the truth is sometimes about me? Sometimes I pray and I'm still working my strategy. And God wants me to use my brain. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to make this like mystical. But sometimes I'm working my strategy more than I'm trusting God. If the truth were to be told. And it was a good thing to just name that thing before God. That I'm wrestling with. And just say these words. Just thinking about whatever that is. Jesus. Son of David. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Help me. And just leave it there. I did that with, with several things that burdened me. And God moved in my heart because of the cross and my trusting in him and salvation that I have and a relationship that I have. You know what he did? He heard me. And he did give me a sense of, you know, cast all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. Humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up in due time. Sometimes we forget that. If you're looking for words, I've got some for you. If you cry out to him, he will hear you. If you've put your trust in what Christ has done for us on the cross rather than trying to be your own savior or having some other kind of 
of kind of interesting Savior. If you put your trust in him, you can do that today. He, he will hear you. Here's some words. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Can you say that out loud with me after I say it? I want you to practice saying it. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Say that. Okay, now I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think of one thing that just really weighs you down, that just like gets you wrapped around the axle and you are trying so hard to figure out what to do with it and to make it go away. Can you got that in your mind? I want you to say this out loud after me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Say it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we couldn't go to you. You came to us. In the fullness of time, you left heaven, you were sent, you were born of a virgin, you were born under the law to redeem those of us, all of us who are cursed because we cannot keep the law. You lived that life that we could never live in our place. You ministered and you showed that the kingdom of God is unstoppable and at hand and you showed that. Not only by your words that had authority and not as the scribes and Pharisees, but you showed that through your miraculous signs, including what had never been done in the Old Testament, the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Lord, we acknowledge that you, Jesus, are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we look forward to the triumphal entry and our getting a chance to to hail you next week. We look forward to Good Friday and and our chance to almost not be able to look at you suffering on the cross for us. And we look forward to Easter knowing, Lord, that not only a new era has broken forth that can't be stopped in the resurrection, but you make us new and all things are new. But Lord, this morning, we just thank you for this last act in the book of Mark before Jesus went up to Jerusalem, the the healing of Bartimaeus. Thank you for the way uh, Bartimaeus so marginalized, so put down that he would rise up to be the greatest teacher of all today in this text, second only to Jesus himself. Lord, would you encourage people today, if you've never put your trust in what Christ has come and done for you on the cross and, and defeated death for you in the in the resurrection and you want all that to be yours you want your sins to be forgiven you want a relationship with God that will last forever pray with me Lord I see it like I've never seen it before and I want to turn from everything that I've called religion and I want to turn from my own sin and I want to turn to you Jesus thank you that you did everything for me it is finished and Lord even now you've come into my life even now you've given me new life. Lord, would you help me stay close to you? Would you never let me confuse myself with you? And for those of us that have walked with you, we're not the son of David. Would you help us always to be able to say something roughly equivalent to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Would you meet your people at the point of their pain and need and bring relief, bring understanding, bring healing, and bring release and joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.